Hello, welcome to Wide Left Sports today. I am joined by Bozeman Gallatin head foot or head basketball coach, excuse me, Michael Claxton. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. You know, the holiday season is upon us and what a great time of the year to to spend time with family and kind of kind of rest up and refuel, get ready for this basketball season to launch off, you know, to kick off on Monday. For sure. You guys haven't officially started. So, uh, you know, with tryouts or anything. So thank you for coming on before all of that. And you're exactly right with this is a great time to spend with family. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. For sure. So my first question is what, you know, got you to fall in love with coaching? You know, at a very early age, you know, I grew up in Chester, Montana, uh, was born in Detroit, come from kind of a mixed background, but at an early age, I found that athletics was kind of an outlet. Sports were an outlet for me. And, you know, Chester's not a very diverse community. And I, and I felt that, you know, I had to, not, I, not that I had to, but that sports and athletics was a, was a bridge, was kind of an avenue for me to, to earn respect in a new community, you know, to be accepted. And so that was a big outlet for me as a child, you know, just spending a lot of time with friends outside playing, you know, a little bit of street ball, um, following the football program very closely in Chester. And I was just eager to, to, you know, for my opportunity when I, when I was old enough to become part of one of those teams, you know, we followed all those, those varsity level teams in Chester from a very early age. And basketball was just one of those things that, you know, you, you find a little success putting the ball in the hoop and, you know, you, you, you can be creative with the game. And it was just something that you could do even by yourself. You know, you right. could go out, you could shoot, you could get on a hoop anytime um, the weather permitted it. And that was something that I did a lot of as a kid. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, Chester and that whole Highline area is somewhere that's a little bit near and dear to my heart. My dad's from Haver and okay. uh, spent a little time in Chester himself. So um, what are those, you know, class C schools? What is that like, you know, for the whole community to have that? It was really special, you know, and, and I follow our team still to the day, the, the Chester Joplin Inverness, you know, I follow them and they made a, they made a run into the divisional tournament last year, but in the late eighties and nineties, you know, early nineties, you know, athletics in Chester was, was thriving. You know, we had great coaches. It was, it was a community event. So every Friday night football game, there was nothing else to do in town. The whole town showed out for the games and, um, in basketball as well, you know, I was able to witness as um, as an eighth grader um, the first boys basketball state championship that Chester earned um, here in the field house here in Bozeman. I was able to witness that. And then as a freshman, um, Chester went back to back with coach Mike McLean and he brought me along as an alternate. You know, I got to tag along. You know, I wasn't playing varsity at that at that time. But it was just an incredible experience. And to see that, to, to witness the, the athletes from Chester bring a championship back home to our town, our small little town, it was just phenomenal. It was an amazing experience. And, and I wanted a taste of that. You know, we didn't quite win a championship my our senior year. Uh, but, you know, just to have witnessed that and be a part of it, it was a huge deal in our town. And, you know, and um, I think it just made us, proud up there on the high line that that basketball was thriving um football program was was going and i attribute that to a lot of great teachers 
a lot of um, amazing, you know, very dedicated and committed coaches that cared about the community, cared about the kids, held us accountable. And, you know, I learned a lot um, from, from that small, that small town on the high line. Oh, that's awesome. So then what has brought you down to um, Bozeman and the other side of the state and the Southern part of the state now? <laughs> yeah, it's been a long journey and <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm passionate about the journey that I've had with, with basketball um, in life. You know, I played small college ball here in the state of Montana, had a little stint, you know, before the transfer portal was a thing to do. Like I was, I was part of that, you know, not by, not by design. And, um, you know, I, I played two, two seasons at Montana tech under Rick Dessing. Um, I redshirt played my freshman year and then I ended up transferring for what I thought, what, which was a higher level of basketball. So I played one year under Craig Cars at MSU Billings and it just didn't, it didn't pan out. Uh, coach didn't really see me in the rotation. He didn't see a future for me in his program, which was a, a huge motivator for me. It just burned a fire inside. So I ended up um, transferring one more time and finishing my career at MSU Northern under coach Tim Walker. Um, and, you know, I, I played two years there and then had an opportunity to coach as basically a graduate assistant at MSU Northern. And it wasn't done from there. You know, my basketball journey didn't end. I, I had aspirations to to continue playing and I had friends that were in Europe. You know, I had some connections over there with a former player from MSU Billings, Marcus Holgrimson. Um, he is uh, a German American. Um, his parents, you know, brought him up over there. And then I had one of my former teammates at Montana Tech, um, who is now a FIBA licensed agent, and they wow. were both in Europe. And so I just went over there on a limb, uh, graduated from Northern, family bought me a round trip ticket to Germany. And I went over there and started trying out with teams and I ended up sticking, you know, not at the, not at the top level, but I was able to play five seasons, five years in Germany and make a little bit of money and get my expenses paid for and travel and see, see a, a great deal. And so what an amazing experience. Um, probably the best part of the experience is I met my wife, you know, I met oh, wow. my wife in Germany. We've been, we've been married for almost two decades We're we're getting close, but you know, we, we started a family and after we were married, we, we moved back to Seattle and that's where my high school coaching or just my coaching career in general. Um, that's where it started was at Seattle Academy of arts and sciences, which is located right up on Capitol Hill. And what an, what an, uh, um, a high level institution. It's a private school, very academically, academically orientated, and we were able to build a program there uh, from the ground up almost because there wasn't a lot of success prior to our staff getting there. So I spent eight years at, at the helm of, of that program in Seattle. And I aspired to coach on the collegiate level and had a couple close calls where I maybe could get my foot in the door as a graduate assistant or, or an assistant on the staff. But it just didn't, for some reason, it just didn't work out. And I ended up uh, going back to Europe, you know, where I had a little bit of a name over there for the years that I played. And one of my former clubs right outside the city of Hamburg, um, SC Ristvedel is the name of the club. They had a vacant, they, they were looking for a new head coach. And man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I, I dreamt of coaching on that level, but when the opportunity is right in front of you and now you have to uproot everything you have in Seattle, that was one of the most sleepless weeks I think I've ever had, <laughs> you know, and um, 
but we took a chance. Our oldest daughter was not in school yet. She was four years old. And we went back to my wife's homeland. We went back to her native country. And I ended up coaching two years in that club. And then I took I, I got an assistant job at the top flight in Poland, which was a very physical, very um very high level uh, league. Um and so and then the the head coach ended up leaving midseason in year two, and I became the head coach in you know the the Polish first league. And we had some success. We made the playoffs that year, but the the club was um, having some financial turmoil, just wasn't able to continue playing at that level. And so in that summer after the second season, they went bankrupt bankrupt and and then that, that led me to a job in Slovakia, which I had never even been in the country but they were looking for a new coach. And since I had a little bit of experience coaching in Eastern Europe, they they gave me a shot and things didn't work out business from a business perspective with that club. I think our record was right around 500 um, in that season. And at that point, because of the business and the financial side of things and then moving, relocating with my family, which is very common in Europe. A mm -hmm. lot of coaches stay, you know, two, three years it's it's uncommon for a coach to have a tenure like you would see here with a collegiate program in the United States or, or a high school coach. So um buddy of mine from childhood up on the high line, from you know, originally from Big Sandy, Montana, West Homequest. Um, we were, we had a conversation when Josh Hustis was making his way to Europe. Mm -hmm. You know, he played his first uh, season with Bayern Munich, and I was in in Germany at the time. So that's what led us to kind of connect uh, reconnecting. Um, so, and, and at that time I was in between jobs. So I was done with that Slovakian club and Wes had mentioned an opportunity in Bozeman. He already knew that they were, you know, the new high school was about to, to open the next year. And, um, Wes was going to make his move as a, you know, transition from boys basketball to girls. Right. So he knew that there were going to be two openings, the Bozeman and Gallatin boys basketball positions were open. And I put my name in the mix and, Sure enough, yeah, the rest is history. We're we're year three, and we're just we're trying to build something special here that our community would be proud of, and you know to to mold and develop young men for their futures after high school. Wow! So, so you gave me, me full circle back to to, to Bozeman. You gave me so much there with your history. That is just awesome. So first off, I guess my first question is. What are the differences between European basketball and our basketball here in America? You know, I think just like just like people, just like cultures, there's more similarities, you know, than differences. You know, it's still the same, the same height of the rim. Got to put the ball in the basket. But some, you know, like a lot of it, the differences come with style of play. You know, I think the European system is very, very structured. Um um, they they start to develop players at a long a, a young age to know how to play in a system, you know they develop skills but they really it's very systematic I would say in Europe more so than the high school game is here where you're playing a free flowing motion, mm -hmm. uh, and then also you know some of the rules are different where you know you can basically offensive goaltend after the ball touches the rim in international play, once the ball touches the rim it's live so you could go up there and swipe it off the rim. We played with a 24 uh, second shot clock, just like uh, the NBA. And also we played four 10 minute quarters. Um, 
and so the dimensions of the court have changed actually since I played to where they are now. It's a wider key. Um, the three-point line lies between the college and NBA three-point line now, which is actually a little bit further back than when when I was a player in the early um, in in the early two thousands. Um, time, you know, you can't call a timeout in a live situation. So you know how in the states you dive on a ball. And you might right. be able to get burn a timeout and save that possession. That doesn't work in Europe. When the ball is live, you can't even call a timeout. So the players on the floor can't call a timeout at any time. The coach is calling the timeout through the scorer's table. Wow. When, when there's a dead ball, you know, so that's that's a major difference, which I kind of like, you know, I kind of like that because it, 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 it forces the players on the floor to either, you know, tie the ball up with a jump ball or decided on the floor, whether rather than not, I wouldn't say getting bailed out, but rather than mm -hmm. being able to call a quick timeout in the middle of the action. Um, I'm trying to think of some other differences that you would see. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I see, you know, the United States has had a huge impact on the development of players in, in Europe and, mm -hmm. and worldwide based on like, we have so much athleticism and, aggressive players here in the United States that can play a lot of one-on-one -on -one and create for themselves. And then when the Nowitzkis and the uh, Peja Stojakovic's and those players came to the NBA, your prototypical big man, your stretch four was now able to extend all the way to the three-point line. It was no longer a power forward. You right. had a seven-footer in Nowitzki as one of, you know, one of the top three-point shooters of all time in the NBA. And so I think that that type of influence of developing players, no matter what their size, developing well-rounded skills, um, that came back to the United States. So now your prototypical modern-day forward, or even even centers now, even five men, you know, the five men can step out and can extend the floor with a jump shot. You know, so you know, I, I really like the how worldwide the game is just evolving. You know, and and now you even see international um, teams and countries, not not on the same level as you know the best of the best in the United States, but pretty dang close. You know, and you know like the the national team of Spain and Argentina, some of these teams that have really tested our country has been good for the game because now I think we're developing our players even more so, and our, our we're elevating the level of play here in the United States as well. For sure. And you actually, uh, you know, took one of my other questions because I was going to ask, you know, obviously in the early 2000s, there was the Dirks, the Manu Ginobili's, those type of players that were coming over from Europe. But now it just seems like there's a ton that are coming over from Europe. And I was going to ask you if you think that the NBA has changed its game for the European players a little bit. And you kind of answered it. But yeah. yeah, I don't think it's changed for the European players, I, I, but I do think that they are definitely having a huge impact you know, on the game. Um, I remember having a conversation with my father a few years ago about Luka Doncic when, mm -hmm. when Luka got drafted. And he asked me, what do you think he's going to do in, in the NBA? Um, thinking back to, I'm, I can't recall his name, the in, the Detroit Pistons drafted um, a Darko? player, Darko Milicic, yeah. right? And he didn't pan out the way that everybody, they, they used one of their high draft picks to get him. And so my dad is, you know, a Detroit native. And so he was asking me, what do you think this guy Doncic is going to do in the league? And I had, that was one of the, that was when I was in Europe. So I had watched him play in the Euro league. I had watched him lead his, 
uh, his um, Slovenian national team to a European championship. I watched his team win the EuroLeague championship and he was the MVP. And I said, dad, this guy is going to torch the league. He is going to be an impact player right away because he was a, he was a man amongst boys, 18 year old or 19 at the time, you know, winning the EuroLeague MVP. That was, that was not common. He was, he was walking on uncommon ground. And so I knew just after watching how physical the EuroLeague is, um, much different style of play than you see in the NBA. There's no three second call for defense. There's help defense rotating. It was very physical. And this guy was phenomenal in Europe. And I, I mean, I think everybody in Europe that had watched him play knew what he was going to be able to do and, and believe that he would be an NBA level all-star and most likely a hall of fame player someday. For sure. Well, that is awesome. All of your stories are awesome. And I'm sure you have a ton but I want to get back to Bozeman Raptor basketball. Um, you know, where do you hope to see this team this year? And, you know, what do you have with kind of a revolving door of you only having them for four years? How do you deal with that from year to year? Yeah, yeah we're we're going into our third season and we we got to taste a little bit of, a little bit more success last year. Um we were kind of a surprise team that made a run towards the end of the season. And we, and we, we got into the state tournament and, you know, we felt like we belonged, you know, mm-hmm. we were able to compete, although we didn't, uh, we didn't place. We, we ended up losing to Billing senior by one point, a heartbreaking type of game. So we were one game out of that, that consolation, you know, um, matchup. So, so we were, we were able to experience that success and, you know, I still have a fresh uh, feeling and a fresh taste in my mouth, and I'm sure the players that are returning do, that those memories and those experiences aren't far away. You know, so we, you know, expectation-wise and what we're aiming for is to finish stronger, you know, to to put ourselves back in a position that we can take a step forward. Um, and so the approach that I want to communicate to our, our our team and our players this year is Every time we step on the floor, let's treat it like a championship matchup. Every time we have an opportunity, no matter who we're playing, you know, so that we can prepare ourselves mentally for tournament play, you know, and 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 also, you know, have some healthy pressure on ourselves to step on the floor and no matter who we're playing, you know, stay consistent playing on a high level Um from the big, you know, not necessarily from the beginning, because it's going to be a, a a process of growth to put this year's uh, roster and, you know, our, our players together in, you know, specific roles. Right. But, you know, we, we want to be there. We want to be one of the, those last teams standing. I mean, that's the that's the talk I hear from our players. I, you know, I know that it's it's not going to be easy. You know, there's a lot of other quality programs who you know, players are going to, they're rebooting, you know, they graduated mm-hmm. players and now they have guys who have physically matured and put in a lot of time in the off season. So we, we, we've been trying to focus on us and, you know, improve, improving our physical strength, improving our condition. You know, guys have been in the gym in our, at our open gyms and we've got some kids who just love the game and they can't stay out of the gym. So I'm excited for this group we're, we're going to be the most experienced that we've been in the backcourt, which, you know, in March guards win, 
Right. Let's be honest. Guards win in March. The guys who who control the ball and control the tempo and make plays for their bigs. And so I'm I'm optimistic and just have a good feeling that the experience that we've gained getting beat up the first year <laughs> and throw, pushed all around to where we are now. Um, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm excited and I can't wait to get to work with these guys. For sure. So with the, um, I guess, shape up of the double A, you have some non-conference games there at the beginning. How did those games help you retool your roster and whatever, so that you're at peak performance in March at the end of the year? Yeah, they're, you know, they're really helpful to get to see, get to see a little bit of the other side of the state. Um, we have matchups with Butte, um, the Kalispell schools will come. So we're playing in Butte, uh, the first, the opening weekend. And then we have the Kalispell schools coming to, to Bozeman. So we'll play Glacier and Flathead. And then right before Christmas, we have a matchup with Helena Capital and, you know, having a matchup with Capital is always a great opportunity because that can kind of be a measuring stick of, <laughs> of you know, that, that's such a quality program uh, year after year there. You know, they're, they're, they're extremely competitive. And so I'm just looking forward to kind of seeing where we're, it gives you a chance to see where you're at. You know, you, you've, you went through your summer, you, you played in your team camps and your, your summer tournaments, and now you're in the weight room in the fall, you know, with your open gyms. And it's just a good opportunity to see where you're at and see what you need to work on, you know, where your weaknesses are trying to find that that balance with your rotation and you know getting players to to buy into the roles that that they need to to bring to the table before you get into conference play for sure so excuse me one of the roles obviously of a head coach of a high school program is to get kids to the next level um how do you with all your connections and just with the kids too how do you help them get to the next level you know, it's it's never a, a perfect science, I don't think, you know, but with, you know, with your network of coaches that you're familiar with, um, trying to help your kids get exposure, for instance, by going to team camps outside the state, um, we encourage our, our, um, our boys, we encourage them to play AAU basketball in the spring and summer, and it's a really great balance because the springtime they continue to play and they, and they get to play a lot of games. And then that month of June is kind of set aside for the most part for high school programs. And then come the beginning of July after the holiday, they finish with, you know, maybe getting into some tournaments down in Las Vegas. Um, so this, the Montana rebels, um, that's where a lot of our kids have been playing. Although I'm not trying to promote one program over the other, they just have, they, they traveled, they traveled quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. which I think is positive, you know, as long as they can balance that with working on their individual skill, developing their skill, developing their strength, and not just playing in tournaments weekend, you know, weekend and week out. Um, and then, you know, I, I like to try to help them by, you know, give, uh, giving them recommendations, being a reference for them where they can identify some colleges, you know, together we can kind of come up with a plan of what level maybe they could attain. Right. And then reaching out to some of these schools and, you know, trying to see if they have any interest. Um, but I am always a firm believer that if you can play, uh, the colleges are going to find you. If you can play and, you know, it's, it's, um, 
especially with social media and everything being accessible now with, you know, the NFHS network, like footage is available. Right. And, you know, if, if you can play and, and you're, you have the, the skills and the, you know, the ability to compete on that level, these coaches are going to find you. For sure. So, you know, being in Bozeman, you have a very good asset in MSU right in your guys' backyard. How neat is it to have one, a program in your backyard, but a program that has had such success recently for your kids to kind of look up to almost. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, that's one of the great parts about being here in Bozeman is it, it is a university town and the football and basketball programs along with volleyball and all of the programs at, at MSU have been successful and they're competing on a high level. Um, the coaching staff over there at MSU, I haven't got to know them very well personally, but they are a, a you know a staple in this community, and you know they invite us to their games and and they want this to be a basketball town, you know. And Coach Sprinkle has done an amazing job of, I mean, taking them very quickly to one of the top teams in the Big Sky Conference year after year. And so for our kids to see that and and be able to go to the games and and be able to even connect with the coaches, you know, at a at a team camp that they host or a tournament that they host. That's just, I think that's great for the entire community of Bozeman um, and extending towards the other programs. I mean, when you, you see the cats having such, such success, I mean, these kids in this community, they dream of playing on that level. Right. And, and I think they, they, they put in a lot of work to try to reach, to fulfill their dreams. Now, whether they reach that level or not is another story, but it's just great to, to have that presence here. And for kids to see the examples that are being set by these stand-up uh, student athletes. For sure. For sure. So my final question here is um, <clears throat> kind of just a blanket. Like what is your favorite memory that you've had on or off the court with your players at your time at Bozeman Gallatin? You know, um, that's, that's tough to put to pinpoint. But I would say one of the favorite, um, there's there's two. So some of the team building activities that we have uh, organized. So we do a retreat every year, an overnight retreat. And we stay in the gym. We stay in our gym, you know, and we, you know, that's a team building time. And so like getting to know your kids more on a personal basis and the kids actually developing, you know, chemistry with each other. That's um that that's a that's a very that's a highlight just the time you spend with these guys that overnight or on the bus traveling those memories are are phenomenal and then in terms of like the you know our game schedule and our experience you know last year we had a loser out winner to state game that was hosted actually at Gallatin the divisional tournament was in Belgrade but on that Saturday morning game, you always have to have an alternate location. So right. you can play those games at the same time. And we just happened to fall in line in the bracket where that game was at Gallatin. And, you know, that was a dream of ours. That was a goal. The entire season was to get to the state tournament, you know? And so we kind of planted some seeds of let's take care of business and let's win this game so we can dance our way into the tournament. So after that game, we were in the, we were in the team room, players turned the lights off we had the music blaring and <laughs> and we danced you know that was the vision let's dance in this team room and get our and punch our ticket to the tournament so 
you know, in our short two seasons that we've been together, I would say that has to be one of the highlights at the top. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for talking to me, not only about Gallatin basketball, but your personal career. It was great to hear both. And I wish the Raptors the best of luck this year. I appreciate it, Mitch. You know, thank you for your time. And yeah, keep doing what you're doing, man. I think a lot of coaches are are fortunate to be on here with you and and share their stories and and uh, you know share some information about their program. So I really appreciate your time and and thank you for reaching out. Of course, you have a great rest of your day. And like I said, go Raptors. Go Raptors. Hey guys, Mitch here with Wide Left Sports, and do I have a company I would love to highlight for you. It's called Big Sky Customs. They make lifelike figurines of your playing days, which I think is awesome because every single person, once they're done with their playing days, they miss it. And um, how cool would it be to have a lifelike figurine to commemorate that? And I mean, Rob goes down to the very minute details about it. It's awesome. And the best part is it's out of Montana. Um, So, yeah, if you want to get one ordered, just go to his Facebook page, Big Sky Customs, and start a conversation with him about it. And hopefully you enjoy your lifelike figurine from Big Sky Customs.